One of the biggest challenges I think that we all face in the world of online business is actually deciding on our product, on what it is we want to do, on who our market is, what the product is, and even more importantly, what platform we are going to deliver on, where we are going to reach that audience, what is going to be the tool or the system or the social platform that we build our business on. And a lot of businesses, I believe, are stillborn because of the paralysis that people have and wanting all of the answers to all of those questions before they ever begin to build their online business or side hustle. Why am I bringing this up today? I'm glad that you asked. I had a conversation recently with an old friend of mine from the radio business, and he had just started, or he had about a year and a half ago, started a podcast. And I was asking him why he started the podcast and what he was hoping to get out of it. And what he said sparked my imagination, and I had to share it with you. He said that while he's still in the middle of his career, still with uh, a good good number of years left to go, he's just just turned 50, I believe, While he's still got a lot of years left in his nine to five, he was thinking about what the transition is going to be like when he moves from full-time work into whatever the after full-time work looks like for him. It's obviously not the word retirement is going to be right, but post full-time employment. And he wanted to start a side hustle. And so he started a side hustle with a podcast. Now he didn't have a business model for the podcast. He doesn't necessarily know exactly how it's going to make money, but he's now testing the waters. He's he's taking one piece of the equation and he's putting it out there and then he's building his future around that one piece of the equation. And it is an elegant way to do things and it solves so many problems. It, it, it kind of follows the Nike logo of or the Nike motto of just do it. He started and now he is evolving it. And I thought that would be a terrific story to share with you. So that is coming up today on Gray Matters. Steve Dotto here. How the heck you doing this fine day? Welcome to Gray Matters, the podcast for baby boomers and Gen X who are interested in online business. We are interested in finding our place in the digital age. In this podcast, you'll learn about online marketing community building, social networking, and more, all from our perspective. The world's changing. Our prospects are changing. The job market is not interested in us anymore, and many of us face a reluctant retirement, and that is not cool. We need to take our years of experience and put it to work for us, a side hustle or online business of our own. We need to develop mad skills to adapt and evolve in order to thrive in this digital age. I can help. I want to help. And this podcast will help. It wasn't that long ago that I was struggling to transition from my former career in traditional broadcasting into online business. There were lots of bumps and bruises along the way, but I'm here to say it is a fantastic and worthwhile journey. I am glad you found us. And Rachel Moore joins me now. How are you doing, Rachel? I'm well, uh... It's it's a lovely day. Spring has sprung um, around here anyway, so I'm definitely feeling the warmth of the sun. I hope you are too. Yes, uh, we it's it's off and on here, but we've had some we've had some decent weather recently. Let's jump into the the week's news. Uh, what, what have you got? What's happening out there in the world of technology and online marketing? Well, I don't mean to shock anyone. I I know this comes as a terrible surprise, but um, Clubhouse is getting copycatted. Um, Apparently, yeah, you know, I mean, this came out and everybody's like, woo, you know, a lot of woo about Clubhouse. And apparently everybody else wants to do it too. So um, Discord, I guess, um, which in other news is uh, in talks of being acquired by Microsoft, which is kind of cool. But um, but they are looking at creating stage channels and voice events, which honestly, I think that's the best fit I've ever heard of for um, social audio and this kind of thing. But also even LinkedIn uh, is saying it's working on a clubhouse rival as well. So um, for those of you who haven't, or maybe you have dabbled in clubhouse, um, or if you're like me and can't because I don't have a, an iPhone, um, have no fear. The copycatters are almost here. So if, if, that's if you want a clubhouse like experience. Now help me out here because Discord is something which I actually have been looking at really closely over the last little while because um, we're looking at using it within our community. Uh, it, it integrates with Patreon, and so there's a lot of different reasons we should use it. Now, have you used Discord in the past? 
I have. Um, I it, the very simplistic explanation of Discord. It is uh, Slack for gamers. Yeah. Uh, but also artists and musicians. But I love it. It's it's. I think it's more powerful than Slack. Um, but you're. I think you're spot on to do that. Uh, I I know it. I do listen to some podcasts, and I pretty much feel like a lot of them create a Discord server just for their podcast for their or their. Now, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the reasons that Discord might end up being a solid contender again in the clubhouse space is this. Discord has an audio option already baked in. It's not just yes. text messaging, but there's an audio option. Can you can you illuminate me on that a bit? Yes, and I it's got voice chat in there already. So um, that I I don't know a ton about it. I I usually am one who just likes to sit and type at people, but um, but that's what's great is because it it's a very very familiar segue mm -hmm. into doing this thing where um. Aside from just chatting with people via voice, uh, now you can create these stage events similar to Clubhouse um, and even Twitter Spaces now, where you know it's a little bit more eventy feeling. Mm -hmm. But um, and you have the same, you know, sim similar controls where you can designate who the speakers are versus who all the listeners are. But um, yeah, so it's it's familiar territory. In fact, I'd be curious to hear a Discord people who saw Clubhouse and everybody going "waha" about it and saying, uh, "Yeah." That's neat. Um, we have, you know, we already have that over here. So um, I like it. I like the move. And frankly, I'm I'm enticed to go spend more time on Discord to just learn about how they're going to incorporate it. And unlike Clubhouse with Discord, it's 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 open source, is it not? Or really reasonably priced? I think. I think it is very reasonably priced. I'm not sure about the open sourcing part, but um, I. But you it, can, it feels you can create your own server, and so yes. you manage your own community. And again, unlike Clubhouse you have the ability to talk to people and chat to people and get to know them. And there's, there is actual social interaction going on within a social network, not just pontification happening. Yeah. And honestly, as, as somewhat of a geeky person, um, it just Slack feels very officey. And even if you utilize all the fun stuff like gifts and things <laughs> in it, but discord is, is very entertainment based. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's for creatives. You, you just have a lot of means of, communicating with people on there versus just typing at them and creating threads. So well, I, I really do like, well, it. I know a lot of creators have embraced discord and it's native integration into uh, Patreon has really caught my attention. And so it is a product that we're going to be looking at. I'll be, uh, I'll be doing more research myself over the next little while on it. All right. My first story yes. is YouTube. It seems like every week for the last couple of weeks, I've, I've been disappointed in YouTube in one aspect or another. And it seems to me they're beginning to uh, go on a bit of a slippery slope. The tube mm -hmm. filter reports that uh, YouTube has expanded monetization to select videos containing drugs, sexual humor, and profanity. Now, YouTube has taken the high road as far as monetizing uh, videos that have been anywhere outside of the mainstream. And a big part of that was they're protecting their reputation to, adv to advertisers uh, but that it didn't really help them when all of the kerfuffle came. Do you like that word kerfuffle? Do you use that word down do. there? Okay. When the kerfuffle came uh, with kids videos and people promoting the kids. So YouTube had to make some massive changes to their ad network and to their distribution platform when it, where it comes to video that's designed for children. Now, it seems that they're now the pendulum has swung to protecting content and being kind of draconian as far as their censorship goes, as far as monetization side. They've always allowed the videos around sexual humor and stuff like that, and, and they've allowed profanity as long as it's noticed, as long as it's noted in the video. Mm -hmm. So they haven't blocked content, but they have demonetized videos on an ongoing basis. As a matter of fact, you'll often hear a creator when they say something off color, say demonetized as a, as in as in trying to <laughs> trying to uh, ward away the evil spirits of YouTube to to notice it and demonetize them. Um, but now YouTube is saying, well, no, money's more important than all of that. So we are now going to start. Uh, to monetize those channels, and which then gives tacit endorsement to it in a different way. And we will see where that particular journey ends up. Yeah, I, I'm guessing a lot of creators out there who maybe get a little blue or, you know, in their commentary or you know, or find themselves yelling monetization, you know, demonetized, probably are celebrating this a bit to say they got a little more latitude. <laughs> As a creator, you know, and as an adult, it doesn't really bother me a lot. Mm -hmm. I think you might have, have a different uh, a different opinion on it as a parent of younger children. Um, and so I, I do I do believe that there should be a way that uh, there should be some sort of a gating system where you can 
where you can filter much like you do in Netflix with the parental filters and stuff sure. like that. <clears throat> but of course, that's going to be very, very difficult to, to, to put in place. And YouTube um, blocking some of that content and making and kind of looking for higher, loftier ideals has never really bothered me. It's, a lot of people have cried right. about it being censorship. And I see their point. But I also see the point of that there's no right answer to this. And uh, and I didn't really mind the fact that they were were, were, were demonetizing videos and asking us to, to work to a slightly higher standard. But then my background here is television. And we, we you know, we, we've dealt with censorship and we dealt with the CRTC here in Canada, the Canadian Radio Television Commission. And we had, we had very strict standards of what it was appropriate for us to say and what it wasn't appropriate for us to say. And if we crossed that line, the consequences were severe. So my DNA, I'm just kind of wired <laughs> to be a, a lot more cautious and a lot more PC in, in, yeah. my, in my content. But but YouTube is now starting, starting. So we'll see. And you, we know one thing about our YouTube, my YouTube brethren is give them an inch. They'll take a mile. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, and you brought up a good point about a, as parenting. I do my best, you know, I mean, I'm trying to kind of, I don't want to helicopter my kids, but you know, I have looked at some of the videos they watch. They like to watch gamers mm -hmm. and I really appreciate the gamers who keep it clean. I'm like, thank you. It's possible to entertain and not be too saucy. And um, you know, but they're getting older too. So, but yeah, I think parents are right to kind of just be like, how's this going to go? Is this going to make, make the, my favorite kid's favorite YouTuber on, um, you know, that they're watching feel a little more latitude to drop an F bomb here or a S bomb here or whatever other bombs, yep. you know, are going to lay in our path. So there we go. Now your next, yeah. your next story is, uh, is, is worlds converging. Yeah. So, uh, any, uh, baseball fans who are excited about the MLB being back. Um, I am not a baseball fan and everyone can, can yell at me if they want. I, I, I tend toward hockey more as you know, but, um, but apparently on opening day, uh, Twitch, not Facebook, not YouTube, but Twitch, uh, was the platform of choice for a six hour live stream, uh, that was primarily based toward community engagement. So essentially the MLB put out a show called major fest, uh, and it was all about bringing community together predictions for the 2021 season. There were video game competitions, conversations with developers and designers, giveaways of baseball cards, but it was really just kind of to supplement and it's kind of gets into the multi-screen thing, right? Where you could be watching um, the game, you know, on, on your screen or on your cable, but then on your computer, you could be watching on Twitch and, you know, engaging with people who were just celebrating the fact that baseball is back. So I love, anytime I hear about something not as mainstream and I, I even hesitate to say Twitch is not as mainstream. I feel like just like we were just talking about discord, these things are gaining in popularity, more awareness. People are starting to gravitate and say, hey, hey, this thing's over here. Why haven't I tried this yet? I should. And so I, I just really thrilled to see that Twitch was the platform that they decided to go with on this one. And I wonder how much of that is Major League Baseball firing a broadside across Facebook's bow. It very well could be. Uh, MLB is making some statements anyway, so it could very well be that. But yeah, I, and because I honestly, and again, I don't know, you know, I, I, I'm trying to imagine your average, um, you know, American who loves baseball or even across the globe. Uh, is Twitch going to be the one, the thing that they go to the most? I think, honestly, maybe I'm stereotyping of kind of younger gamer people, um, creators and stuff like that. And yet that was where they they gravitate. Well, esports has become huge. The gamers, the gamer network and baseball, of course, is a very popular esport game for people to be playing. Truth. And uh, so there are, there are some synergies there. I, one thing I, we have noticed certainly in the last three months is major league sports becoming far more politically conscious and aware of what's happening in the social platforms. And we see, for instance, the NBA pulling stuff out of Georgia based on the new voter laws that are happening in Georgia. And so we're seeing mm -hmm. a lot of them kind of carving out their space and making statements. And I ha have to think, to a certain extent, just because the, the Facebook is naturally the social media platform that baseball fans would be on, just because of the age demographic. Right. And uh, for but I don't believe that uh, anybody's really happy with Facebook's politics these days. And uh, so I think Major League Baseball could say, you know, we're bigger than you, Facebook, and we can take this other platform and make it that much better because of our clout. So that is, I agree. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, by the way, speaking of Facebook, I think you have a little more to say about it with your story. Oh, Facebook. Yeah. So if, uh, once again, Facebook's heavy hand comes into play. And it, this one actually isn't that big a deal, except for a small group of people that are going to be profoundly impacted. Uh, but Facebook is shuttering their analytics features as of June 30th, barely three months from now. Um, they are taking a tool that many online marketers have relied on for determining the value of the ads that they've been placing, and they are basically turning off the top so that you cannot get that information from that tool. Now, to be fair, there are other systems in place where you can get that information, but that means that people have to completely re-engineer their analytics programs and how they track their the performance of their ads. And they also have to download all of their historical data if they rely on that and they have to find a way to, you know, have it all saved. And so it's again, once again, Facebook just saying, you know, we don't care what, how you do business. This is what we want to do. And you will march to our drummer. Uh, so the community, I don't think the community is surprised by anything Facebook does anymore. It's just like, Oh, what do you, what did you do this week? But it is yet another thing that they are doing. I, I believe that Facebook is trying to drive us all into a unified engine, a unified kind of interface for the business interface. But the problem is they tier it and not everybody has access to those tools. So right. they're disenfranchising a lot of marketers at this point here and basically just causing them to have to do just a ton of work to rebuild the systems so that they can still spend money on Facebook, therein <laughs> lies the irony. The, the, the people yeah. that have to go through all of this energy and effort in order to continue to spend money on Facebook, it is, it is almost it's beyond the pale. It is well, and you know, I'm thinking too. That's three months, and that may seem like oh, well, that's plenty of time. But if you're talking people about people who are trying to conduct business using Facebook and they're used to that, they now have to relearn. Not only do they have to do what you said and take everything off and try to re-engineer it, but they've got to learn Facebook business suite, which is where, where I believe they're all driving everybody to. Facebook ads manager and everything is in there. Um, but now you've taken them in for, out of the familiar into the unfamiliar in a very short amount of time. Um, and you know, as we know, that that ability of tech tech savvy uh, is not the same across the board. It's going to be hard, yep. and um, it almost sounds like Steve, like maybe this would be a great how to video by Dotto Tech. I'm just oh, saying no. there was way too many variables in Facebook analytics. <laughs> the, I, Facebook is one area where I say I know what I want to do on Facebook, and I'm going to hire professionals to make it happen because there's no way <laughs> I want to deal with that level of frustration. And uh, I, I mean. I got to tell you, just as an aside, we have a great ads team that runs all of our ad programs for the Dotto Tech channel. And these guys 24-7 live, breathe, and sleep Facebook ads. And they live in the Facebook business manager. They live in the Facebook analytics fields. And they speak a different language than you or I. But once a month, we have a status update where they take us inside of our own account. And I ask them a question and they start pulling data from within the account and watching them. It's it's almost like watching Houdini pulling, you just mm -hmm. you know, um, magicking up these figures that come out. But I can't tell you how many times in that process, as I ask the, the, the guys a question, and I'm sorry, I'm not being sexist. They are all they are, are, are all men that are mm -hmm. that, are, that are, are on our ads team. At least this, the particular the, the particular cohort that I'm working with right now. As they as they do it, they go, "Oh, wait a minute! Now Facebook, where did they put that now?" And they they who are in it all the time are constantly going, "Oh, oh no, Facebook moved that. How do I?" And then they start, <laughs> you know, kind of just Sherlock Holmesing their way through all of the different breadcrumbs to find the data that they want, and eventually they find it because they speak the language. But yes. Facebook is constantly moving stuff, and it's just uh, this is just another example of it. Uh, online yeah. marketers find it incredibly frustrating. So. And, and, and understandably so, right? Cause it's just like way to make my life harder. But like you said, they'll still take your dollars. So hmm. links to each and every one of these stories can be found at dottotech.com slash, uh, 62 gray. <laughs> get <Word>. the vernacular. <laughs> dottotech.com slash 62 gray for links to this in all of the updated news stories that we cover here on Dottotech. Stick around. We have an interesting, interesting conversation with a longtime buddy of mine or old school radio guy, Todd Mappin.
Do you need a little more Steve time? I get it, and I have something for you. Do you know that we host a free live training almost every week? This is a fact. Most weeks we host a free tutorial webinar covering productivity, content creation, and online marketing. It is called Webinar Wednesday, and you can find out about this week's webinar by visiting dototech.com slash webinar Wednesday, or check out the links in the show notes. You know, Webinar Wednesday has become an online institution. I've hosted over 160 of them, and we are still going strong. I know, it almost sounds too good to be true. Free training every week and a chance to learn more about productivity, content creation, or online marketing, and more Steve? Oh, pinch me, I'm in a little bit of heaven. The links are in the description or visit dototech.com slash webinar Wednesday. So Todd, after years and years on radio, and I believe how many failed podcast attempts? Are we starting like that, dude? Well, well, I, I, think, I think people need to know that it doesn't always work out perfectly the first time. So I prefer to, to consider them learning podcasts. Um, but yes, failed podcast. So uh, my very first podcast was called Egg McMaffin. Uh, it was the ninth podcast in history. It was literally the ninth podcast that ever existed. Um, and it was a, um, well, a polite way would be to say a celebration of public radio pieces. But basically what I did was I ripped off the best public radio that I could find, little chunks from all over the world, and I would air that together. I don't know why I called it Egg McMaffin, but I did. Then I had one called the How to Do Stuff podcast, which actually ran for quite a while. Um, when Steve Jobs uh, released iTunes 4.7, which was the podcasting, the first podcast edition, up on stage with him, with the screenshot of that iTunes, was my podcast, which I'm very proud of. So that's about it. Those two were kind of the, the, the first. Um, and then I took a break and uh, worked on the speaking circuit, like you and with you. Um, and uh, ran an agency, and am now just uh, about a year and a half into a daily podcast. So when you started the daily podcast, I got to tell you, you, you reached out to me as you started it, and I thought, okay, here's Todd. Uh, this is crazy. It's doing a daily podcast is, I, I just think it's so much pressure and so much work. So you're a year and a half into it. So the first thing I have to ask is, are you experiencing podcaster burnout? No. Why not? I'm loving it. Um, because it's not a ton of time. Um, and I really enjoy the content. Um, you know, it's, it's different than having a, a, you know, a weekly podcast that's an hour and a half and I've got to go through and edit a, a ton of stuff. You know, our podcasts rarely exceed 10 minutes. Um, yeah. usually they're between six and eight minutes long. So they're, it's a newscast essentially of everything that's changed in the world of digital marketing. And so it's topics that you're already reading the reports, you're already thinking about it, you're expressing the information to your clients. So there's, so you're not having to do a lot of research, you're just having to basically curate the content. Exactly. Yeah. Sarah on our team uh, does sort of the first pass of, of the stories and then um, does the first pass of, of the writing of the script. Uh, then I throw in a bit of snark and, mm -hmm. uh, and we record and, and the whole thing takes maybe two and a half hours between us. Not a ton of time. So let's, so walk me through the beginning. So you decided to start this podcast when you started it, what was the goal? The original goal was to have a side hustle that would eventually turn into something that I could use in retirement. Uh, I turned, I turned 50, uh, about a year ago. So I was looking, you know, right now I have this digital engagement agency. So we work with medium to large size brands on social media engagement. So when you, uh, you know, post a question to Twitter or write a review. It's my team that gets back to you. You don't know it's not the brand. So for and the I Gray Matters community, Todd is 50, but he's an old 50. So so thinking about retirement is probably a good idea at this point for him or, or what his side <laughs> hustle is going to be. Not, not, not untrue. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, and I've had this agency for more than 10 years now, and it has a cadre, a cadre, cadre, a, a, you know, a group cadre? of uh, cadre, thank you, of clients that we enjoy working with. But, you know, I've been in the agency business out, even outside of my own uh, agency before I started it for 20 plus years and would love to have a world where, you know, we're not driven by client deadlines all the time. And, and to be fair, uh, Todd, of course, has a solid, solid radio background, being a broadcaster for many years here in Canada. So you're, you're drawn to the podcast. Uh, you love audio, basically. I mean, it was the per part of the reason I got in so, so early was that when I saw that my two loves are technology, especially new technology and radio. 
And so I saw those two together and I'm just like, I'm, I'm all over this stuff. Yeah. So you actually strategically thought at this point, at the young age of 50, you think I want a side hustle that I can start to grow now so that when I transition, I've got something to do. I can, I can leverage it for income or we'll talk about what those goals are, but you actually started this to plant the seeds for a, a transition in your life. Yeah. So the, so the, the goal, and it's sort of in between three and eight years, something like that, um, is to sell the agency, um, and, uh, and just do this full time. It's grown a little bit wider and bigger than I thought there's a, a bunch of revenue coming in from TikTok of all places. Um, we do, you know, if eight minutes isn't short enough for you, we do a daily 60 second summary of our podcast. Uh, on TikTok, and that's driving a lot of a lot of traffic. And so, I was I'm trying to over the next year or two basically copy what you've done, essentially, right? Build an ecosystem around a community of people where you can add a lot of value and still enjoy the work. One of the reasons that I'm not surprised that you are not feeling the stress is when you started it, it wasn't to feed you now, and you didn't need initial success because podcasts, I mean, one of the things I think is most difficult with podcasts and you, you can share your experiences there, but the fact that we do so much in a vacuum, we don't get a lot of feedback from our community for a period of time and it's, they're slow to grow, but there's a lot of momentum there, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of kinetic energy that continues to push a podcast forward. Once you get a listener, you tend to retain a listener, but so you didn't feel pressure in the first six months to knock it out of the park. No. Uh, I knew that it, that it would take a, a, a year or two to catch on and to grow an audience. Uh, I did invest a, a reasonable chunk of change on uh, on advertising on a particular podcast um, where the ads are about $1,000 US per uh, per placement, per 30-second spot. Oh. Um, but, but that did drive a lot, of, a lot of new listeners. And I measure that because, of course, you can't really get referral data like you could through no. a website of people who subscribe. So, you know, I get it through when people join our Slack community. Um, you know, I ask them, where did you find out about it? And they all came from this podcast. Well, not all, but I mean, I would say easily 70 or 80% came from this podcast. So, you know, as much as I hate spending that kind of money on it, it did work. Okay. And so, so walk me through a little bit about the kind of the metrics that you had when you started, when you first launched, what were your download figures for the first three months? What did it look like? Uh, probably uh, the first three months, probably we were in and around two, 150 to 200 downloads per episode. Yeah. Um, about half of that were people that I know from the, from the podcast and digital marketing world community. I'm uh, because I'm an agency owner, I'm in this sort of large Slack community of similar agency owners in British Columbia. Um, there are about a hundred of us in there. And so that was kind of a natural starting point for me to be able to say, hey, here's something for you and for all of your teams. Um, this will help keep you up to date on everything happening in SEO and digital marketing and TikTok videos and all the, uh, everything around their space. Um, so I, so we, we captured, you know, a hundred to 200, I think for a while. So, so your, your organic growth was slow, but you, but it also gave you time to get your format down and get the yeah. delivery mechanism down and you, and you could take some chances cause you weren't going to screw the pooch if, 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 if you tried something as far as content wise goes that didn't work. Yeah. The format hasn't really, the, the format's more or less stayed the same. Um, the only thing that sort of changed is the, uh, are the musical elements. Mm -hmm. Um, so the, the, uh, our theme music was composed by my good friend Mark Blevis, who was actually the co-author for my book, um, and we uh, he, he put together a great theme. So that's really about it. The, the rest of it more or less stayed the same. It's probably a little snarkier now, um, especially around Facebook, because I just hate the Facebook ad platform. Your personality comes through in it. Yeah, there's there's more personality in it for sure, but, but people seem to like it. People want that. They they want a relationship with you. They're, you know that that's the thing is it's it, if you get two people that like you and one person that doesn't like you, that's the best. Because the person that doesn't like you, you're not going to try and please. Yeah, right? you're right. Yeah. So, so, so great. So, okay. So, let, so, so you had, you went, got through the startup phase. You were getting a couple of hundred downloads. When did you start to see, when you mark, when you actually spent, went out and spent some money on traffic is when you yeah. saw it tick up? Yeah. So the, so the sort of the nexus of, of the podcast originally was I was listening to this podcast that I found called the Tech Meme Ride Home. And it, it's basically about a 15 minute, very simple, very simple. Here are the headlines that happened in the world of technology today. And the guy does it every day out of New York. And I listened to it. I thought, what a great format. Because, you know, there are so many podcasts out there that are interview shows, which also have a, a great value as well. But there's not many that are like 
every day, here's eight minutes of what you need to know. And then I'm just going to get out of your life. You can go on to your other podcast listener, you know. Um, so I went looking for a digital marketing version of it and couldn't find it. And that's what led to the creation of this was it's like I want to be this podcast for my space. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the podcast I eventually started running ads on. Um, and it worked worked great. There, I think there's one running today actually on there. Okay, so so really, uh, your your podcast, the format is almost like a newsletter, a weekly digest newsletter. It is, and funny you should say that. Um, one of the things that I that we experimented with monetizing, uh, and it worked like a charm, was taking the script and just putting it out in newsletter format. Um, and originally we were just giving that away. We were just, after Sarah wrote the script, we would just sort of bundle the, the transcript and upload it with the episode. Um, but then I thought, you know, like, uh, like this isn't, there are no real daily email newsletters about the latest in technology. There are lots of weekly ones around, sorry, in, in digital marketing technology. I mean, there's lots of weekly ones. There's lots of sort of haphazard, there's lots of analyst stuff, but there's no daily, here's what you need to know and get out. So um, we experimented with a couple of formats and what we landed on was, um, uh, was the, a Substack newsletter. So a paid newsletter where for five bucks a month, you got a daily newsletter version of the podcast, which is essentially the, our script with some images thrown in YouTube videos. You know, it's kind of a bit more interactive and fleshed out a little bit. We have some newsletter extras and so on. And then there's a free tier, um, and those people get a scaled back version every Friday. And one of the nice things about Substack is it will tell you what the source of a purchase was. So you can see when when people have gone from free to paid. So you you know, when they started on that. Yeah, you can see when the upsell actually worked, which is kind of cool. Oh, that's very now. I think that this is a great object lesson for for those of us in social marketing because you started it with a long-term goal, you stuck with the plan. If you had business planned this, if you had sat down and on a piece of paper written out what your podcast, how your podcast was going to grow, when you started, you probably never would have envisioned that a revenue stream would be from the scripts, from recycling your scripts. But yeah. that's the whole seed and grow mentality that we have. And it's a blessing that we have in business. You know, when you and I grew up, uh, you know, starting a business, you would have to have that planned out in advance. Oh yeah. yeah. And so there's no chance for this organic growth. Now there's another aspect of organic growth that I I really find fascinating. And I, I almost found it hard to believe when you first to told me about it, but the social platform that you're having the most success sharing this on is not a social platform that I would have said, this is where you're going to get great traction for your podcast. Can you illuminate us? Sure. So um, as a lark, like everyone who gets a, a, addicted to TikTok did, as a lark, I downloaded it and started flipping through it thinking, well, A, I better know what the kids are using and B, it'll be just a bit of a laugh to kind of see what, what the platform is. 20 minutes later, I was completely hooked. Like their, their discovery algorithm is incredible. Like it nails what you like in like maybe 40 video flips. It, it figures it out right away and it does a really good job. And there's, you know, certainly on TikTok, there's a lot of you know, teenagers dancing and lip syncing, which is sort of its origins. But there is an equal and I would say probably greater number of educational TikTokers, right? People who are putting out 60 second educational short things. So um, I created, uh, I just started an account, Todd Maffin, my name, and uh, and started doing, you know, like a little bit of here's some websites that, that we like and that we use for marketing. And it got a bit of traction. And then one day I did a 60 second summary of our podcast episode. So just the headlines, straight to camera, you know, just like, here's what you missed today in the world of digital marketing and 60 seconds of that. And it blew up. Uh, and TikTok is incredibly good for, for virality. So like it, it, I think it got like maybe 40,000 views in the first, in the first day or two. Um, and uh, so I changed the name of the account <laughs> to digital marketing secrets. Um, and, uh, and when it went from there, so it's kind of that, that, that is beginning to feed people into the podcast because at the end of the podcast or at the end of that 60 second summary, I say we cover all of these in detail in the podcast today. Here's how to find the podcast and check out our newsletter link in the bio. And then they click the link in the bio and everything is there. So, so you ask them, so you're only allowed one link. So you, so you use that link to send them to the newsletter sign up page so that you capture no. their email address, but you just tell them verbally about the podcast. Yes and no. So, um, so like you're absolutely right. Like Instagram, there's only one link that you can put on your bio. That actually goes to a links in bio 
provider. There are these websites out yeah, there like Linktree, like, Link like Shorby. There's a, a million of them now, um, which sort of a list of links. So it goes to one of those. Okay, so and, you have all of your resources at that, at that link. Yes, exactly. And they all cross-promote each other, right? I mean, the, the newsletter, when you sign up, you get an email saying, by the way, did you know there's a podcast? The podcast plugs the newsletter. You know, often if there's newsletter exclusive content for the, for the, the paid tier, um, I'll mention it in the podcast. I'll say, and, you know, today the newsletter subscribers, premium newsletter subscribers are getting details on a report about blah, 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 blah. So it all kind of, you know, it sort of feeds itself in a, in a not particularly well-planned uh, way. So you're Gen X. We always like to talk generations here on this show. So you're Gen X. Do you have a sense of what the age demographic of your listenership? That's a good question. Uh, I could look it up. Uh, you know, the best model for looking it up, and it's not great, uh, is Spotify, which has some demographic information. Of course, it only has demographic information based on people who are streaming it off of their site. Um, and it's estimating that current, is this currently? Yeah. So currently, uh, 60% are male, 38% are female. The rest are either non-specified or non-binary. Ages, the biggest chunk of ages are 28 to 34. Yeah. Followed so, by so, 35 to 44. So it's young. So it's, and it's not surprising then that TikTok is, is, is really resonating for you. And, but again, when you started your podcast, did you think that you would be appealing to Gen Y that way? I didn't think about it in terms of which generations to target. I really just went after kind of the, the industry and the only revenue I thought that we would get out of it would be ad revenue, right? Mm -hmm. So ad sales on the podcast. And I mean, I'm trying to structure my eventual retirement so that, um, so that we don't need significant income. You know, what, by the time I turn 60 in nine years from now, uh, the house we're in, the mortgage will be paid off. We have a, a legal rental suite, which currently pays the mortgage, so it will provide income. And, you know, I'm, my agency's incorporated. It pays me a very, very low salary so that we get the tax benefits and so on. So I, 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 I'm in a, a good position in terms of not necessarily needing the revenue, I don't think at least for retirement, but I still kind of want to chase it because mm -hmm. I've been an entrepreneur all my life. And I sure, just there's can't. a gamification aspect to it. You oh, want, sure there is. It, it, it's a measure of success. So you've started to monetize it through the, uh, through the selling of the newsletter, but, and you mentioned ads. Now I list last podcast I listened to, there was a, a host red ad right off the top. Are you yeah. baking those in? No. So uh, I used to, I used to bake them in. I was on a different platform. I've now moved to a, a platform called red circle, which has programmatic ads. So there's two kinds of ad campaigns that are running in the podcast. There's pr truly programmatic, which means that big brands come to this platform, Red Circle, and they buy just a big chunk of podcasts. They don't really know or care which ones. They just say, just put our ad on a whole bunch of business and technology podcasts that you host. Uh, the, the CPM rate that I get for that, the cost per thousand is very low. I think it might be like a dollar or two dollars CPM. Um, but it's a little bit of revenue. And I'm not aware of when those ads go in or what they are. Because when I get the podcast episode, when it downloads to my podcaster, to my podcast app, I'm in Canada. I'm a male. I'm of a, a demographic. I'm going to get a different ad than, some, say, someone in Germany and so on. So that's the first, the first monetization. The second are specific brand campaigns where they come to the podcast um, and they or, or to Red Circle. And they say, we want to be on Todd's podcast specifically. Um, then I can set my own CPM rates. I think they're around 25 right now. And, um, and those are, are not baked into the MP3. The platform inserts them, but they are sort of, I know roughly when they're going to run and, and so on. But interestingly enough, you know, they're, they, they buy downloads. So that can include your back catalog, right? If someone downloads an episode that, that was three weeks ago and there's a current ad campaign, they'll get that ad in there. So it's sort of an interesting, interesting model. So globally, this, what, what you're describing to me is they're calling in the podcasting world dynamic ad insertion. Yes, and, right. and, and I haven't yet played with it. Uh, I don't really want to be running ads on this particular podcast because it serves my community. It serves my, my, I'm the advertiser on this particular podcast, Yeah, but you are able to now correct me. You are able to actually determine if you have pre-roll mid-roll or end roll ads. And are you able to actually throw to an ad or throw to it in mid-roll? Or is it like YouTube where it just picks a spot and then just sticks it in? I can throw to an ad break 
but I never know what's going to be in that ad break yeah. or whether there'll be anything in that ad break. Some people, some people in the mid-roll position will get an ad. Other people won't. So, oh, so you don't want to, you don't want to say we'll be back after these words because you might look like we'll a defense. Yeah. Exactly. Because some people just aren't getting it, you know? Um, so what I do, you know, the workflow is very interesting. After you upload the MP3 file, after you upload the audio for the podcast, it shows you the waveform. It has a pre-roll and post-roll. So front and top and tail, we would have said in the radio business. Um, so those, those are there. I can delete them if I want, if I want no ads, like for instance, we had an April fool's episode. I didn't want advertisers to have to run on my crappy dad jokes. So I just deleted all the insertions. Yeah. For mid-roll though, because you don't want it to interrupt you, unlike yeah. post and pre, where you know where it's going to be. Like YouTube so what ad, they, just mid-sentence, just what? Yeah, exactly. So this platform will drop the marker, the split point, at 50%, and then you manually go and, and move it. So what I do usually to throw to a potential mid-roll solution is I'll do a um, still ahead. So And in radio, we used to call these billboards. Yeah, billboards, so, yeah. Yeah, so like still ahead in the show, da 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 da. And why is Facebook deleting your ads? Stay tuned. So then, even if it comes on right away, it still it still works. And yeah, and so and it and it makes your podcast sound efficient. It makes it people are used to the format from listening to radio, and it's just they're they're, they're mechanical pieces. The billboards like that, and and these these mechanisms that we use, the mechanical pieces that really put your podcast set your podcast apart. You know, I always, I can tell when I'm listening to a podcast from a radio guy or woman, and it's not because of the voice and it's not because of the production values, although that's typically the thing, but it's the narrative. It's the flow, it, right? Yeah. yeah. The pacing and the elements that they put in and how they structure it to keep you engaged it, by putting that billboard in, you say coming up, you'll probably put always one of your really top stories towards the end of the episode. Cause you yeah. want to hold people right to the end. That's another technique that has always been used in radio and always be used in television. You see it all the time, especially reality shows. They tease what's coming up at the very end constantly. By the time you get to it, you've seen it like seven times. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. There's nothing new there. You're like, oh, okay, that, <laughs> but I love, I love the idea of doing the billboarding and I hadn't actually thought through that process process myself for doing dynamic ad insertion. I thought just naively that we, I would just do a throw to a break and we would come back, but this is, this is more good. It's because you don't know whether there'll actually be a break or not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so the still ahead and I well, have like question ahead. though, question yeah. if you are, can you put your own ads in when they aren't sold? So could you have like a roster of your own ads, maybe PSAs or for your own product? PSA, I mean, public service announcements, ones that you'd want to give away for free or yep. your own. And can you give that them to your, to your host and have them do the insert? Uh, yes, I could do it that way. If, if I have my own stuff, uh, I just usually just bake it in. If, you know, if, if it is like they've bought a specific, a specific, you know, well, well this way, if, if there was nothing, I'm just asking if you'll start to promote my podcast when the other people aren't being promoted. <laughs> I'm just thinking that'd be a great idea, Todd. Naturally, naturally. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, for sure. I mean, people like you could send me an MP3 file, you know, and, um, uh, and play it. Although interesting, I will say this red circle has got an interesting little self self promotion setup where you can go onto their site as at the back end as a podcast producer and see other podcasts that are hosted on their platform and propose a joint promotion, joint venture promotion, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, and then if you both accept it, you have kind of a standard MP3 that introduce your, so if it's like another business podcast and that too will get dynamically inserted. In fact, in the pre-roll position, there are two spots. There's pre-roll ad brand advertiser, and there's also pre-roll cross promotion position. Oh, what a nice idea. So, so you could take yeah. a podcast if it was say for if you and I were doing it, after the, your pre-roll paid ad, it would come on Steve Dotto here. I'm a big fan of Todd's podcast. If you like yeah. Todd, you're going to love me because I'm smarter. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Yeah, we'd, we'd correct the copy, of course, there, but yeah, yes. Of course. <laughs> you might not get away with that particular read. Yeah. <laughs> you started this podcast from scratch, so you did not have a podcast host. Uh, we, uh, we, uh, we were using Anchor. Okay, you were in Anchor. Okay. And so you made, so when you researched, was it an easy decision to go to Red Path? No, uh, it was hard. Red Circle. Red Circle, um, sorry. It was, it was hard. Uh, they'd been, uh, they kind of were um, like pushing us to come over. They were, they were fairly aggressive with some certain podcasts that I suppose they find has potential money value for them, to be frank. Um, so we were scouted. So you started this podcast on Anchor. How long were you on Anchor before you moved it off? Oh, not long. Maybe 
six months. Yeah. Would you recommend Anchor as a good starting point for people that are starting out on podcasts? Yeah. Anchor's fine. And, you know, I mean, now that said, it's owned by Spotify now. It was bought in April 2018 by Spotify. So if you're, you know, if you have Spotify issues, um, that may not be great. And also Spotify is a streaming platform, which is different than a downloading platform. So there are, there's sort of some technical things, but, but Anchor as, a, as its own host is, is great. It's, it's got, uh, they've got some, some license free music you can use. It's got a very simple, very basic uh, editor. So you can like a desktop audio editor, which we never use. We just send them a, yeah. a, a fully baked MP3. Um, but, and it's free, which is great because, you know, when podcast hosting started in 2000, whatever the hell it was, 2007, I think, um, they were all paid. Libsyn, I think, was one of the first out of the gate, and it was and still is paid. But that's changing now. The model is now going to free because when you run ads on it, which chances are you're going to do, we're going to take X percent. Yeah. So with the dynamic ads that people are inserting. So now you're a year and a half into it. And so let's talk about what, what you're, how you look at the asset that you've built now versus when you started it. So you're closer to, to, to retiring. Yes. When you look at wh- what you want the podcast to become now and possible revenue models, what, what do you see it evolving into? I don't know. I don't, I don't have an answer for that yet. I, I really am sort of playing it. I mean, I have the luxury of being able to play it month by month and see where it evolves. Like, I never thought that the TikTok account would by far be the biggest revenue generator, um, but it is. And so I think what I'm trying to build is more. We should point uh, out that your TikTok revenue comes from primarily affiliate promotions, From one correct? company. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's from one company. It's uh, uh, AppSumo, which is a great lifetime deal site. And I just threw one up on a, on a lark and it made a ton of money. And I'm like, well, okay, I get it. Um, so I, you know, I have that luxury. So I, my goal is to, is to build an ecosystem around daily digital marketing news updates. That here's what you need to know. And that's it. No, no real necessarily even analysis, certainly no long form interviews. It's going to be what you need to know in eight minutes and get out in whatever platform you want, whether that's email or whether that's, you know, and so on. Could you see having spinoffs from it and doing something else as well? I have, I've been watching very closely this tech meme ride home. Um, that fellow uh, named Brian McCullough is in New York and he, uh, got some, uh, some seed money from venture capitalists and launched a series of podcasts. So he called it the ride home network. Um, I think he has three of them now. He had a gaming ride home, which I followed because I'm a gamer, and it was exactly the same. It was, you know, daily eight minutes of gaming news. Uh, they shut it down. It didn't have enough traction. So I, I'm watching him closely to see sort of where the successes are. And sure, if 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 this format works for people and there's another, you know, I, I expect I would probably not go into like, like he has broad other categories, you know, like celebrity news or this kind of news, because they're very broad. I, I would probably drill further into the space. So mm-hmm. I might do one that is specifically SEO. I might do one that is specifically for paid per click campaigns, you know, that See, kind of a thing. I, I like this because one of the things that we talk about a lot is the value of niche. And you have right. stayed focused on your niche. I would say one of the reasons that you're feeling the traction that you feel is you stayed true to your message. You stayed true to your content and your audience. You it's to people that are building that are social media marketers. You're giving them the news they need on a timely basis and making their light in, in serving their serving their needs. And now even niching down farther to the ones that are into the SEO space that are into perhaps just what on Facebook, I guess, Facebook ads and the sure. quagmire that that is, those would all have resonance. Even less people listen, but more engagement from those people. You know what? I'll tell you what I think the, the first one out of the gate is going to be augmented reality marketing. Oh, that is such a huge space right now. And it's, it's just, you're not starting. talking from a technology perspective. You're talking from an advertising Mark- perspective, oh, a marketing advertising. Now, now there'll be some discussion of technology because there has to be like in today's show, for instance, there was a massive Supreme court ruling that essentially will protect the, uh, API ecosystem. Um, so you have to get into the technicalities a little bit of what an API is and how Google got sued and all those sorts of, stuff, of things. But mostly it's going to be around, you know, here's the marketing implementation of it. And augmented reality is fascinating. Like you, you just have to look at TikTok and Snapchat to see how how creative you can get with that. I mean, some of the biggest campaigns in terms of budgets right now are beauty 
you know, like lipstick and blush and eyeshadow because they are, you can hold your camera phone up to it and say, I want to see what this combination looks like. And it'll show it to you. And in fact, TikTok, this is how clever this is going. TikTok now has a technology where if you're watching a video from a creator of, you know, like a beauty creator, someone who who's known for being a beauty influencer, and he or she is like saying, well, this is the, this is the, the, the makeup look that I want. There is now integrated technology where into that video where you can tap a link right on the video and it will show you what those exact products that you are seeing in the video look like on your face. And then the other link at the bottom of that is buy this now. Of and course. you and it will not take you to like a Sephora website. It might be Sephora selling it to you, but that purchase happens all right inside the app. So I think that it's going to be, I think AR is going to be enormous. And that's just, that's just mobile phones. We haven't even, you know, there's rumors that, that Apple is going to be, Apple has a big event coming out in a couple of weeks. Um, it is widely rumored that it will be the announcement of an Apple glasses, which are AR glasses. So, you know, I, I think that's going to be huge. Yeah. The, and, and well, yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before you get there, I, I have something else to share. So there is a filter that I think you should try, Steve. Uh -huh. uh, and I believe it's a Snapchat filter. Commonly what people do is they will, Snapchat has better filters than TikTok. So commonly people will record a video using a Snapchat filter and then post the video on TikTok. But there is a Snapchat filter that will remove beards. Why? To see what the person looks like without a beard. There's a reason we wear them. It's hysterical. And what people are doing is they're holding the phone up to their spouse who has a beard so that they can see them and not telling them what's going on. So they see themselves live with no beard. Oh, wow. And, reaction and videos. The re and the reaction videos. And I have to tell you, uh, the first couple I saw, I didn't under – the technology is so good. I didn't realize that what they were doing was deleting – the beard and mustache. That's uh, that's scary. I'll, I'll I will check it out, but I'm I, 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 I don't like what's on you. I don't like what's under the beard. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what's under the beard. You've had a beard forever. Big news: we have merch. I know. Really, Steve? You have merch. When did you become one of the cool kids? Well, I will tell you exactly when I became a cool kid. I became one when we got merch. What is merch? Merch is merchandise. We now have our very own Grey Matters t-shirts. And the best of those t-shirts is our trademark t-shirt, our best-selling t-shirt that has on the front, experience is not something you can Google. Yes. It tells all those pesky Z's and Y's and millennials that our experience is incredibly valuable and it is something one has to work for and earn. Indeed, experience is not something one can simply Google. Read the shirt. Better yet, get the shirt. Links are in the show notes or visit us at dottotech.com. That was fun uh, catching up with Todd. We are, we, we are, he's a little bit younger than me, but we grew up in the business together. Todd was a radio guy when I was doing TV. And then I also did, I had a radio show, but uh, being a technology guy and a radio guy and on the speaker circuit, we often ended up in the same town together, swapping yarns and became good friends and actually attended each other's weddings. And we live in the same community. So it's, uh, it's, it's kind of fun, a little bit inside baseball as I tease Todd, but <laughs> you can't not tease Todd Maffin as, as he's on a podcast. It sounded like he was game for it for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He's 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 he he holds his own. I liked him a lot. Uh, and here, one thing that cracked me up is um, at one point I thought he he uttered a very poignant "I don't know" like what he's planning to do with the future. But yes. meanwhile, that's surrounded by all the things he does know and has experienced through his podcasting journey and stuff. So it was really insightful, um, you know, interview that you did with him. So I really enjoyed all the all the knowledge he passed over. The reason I really wanted to do this was, you know, our community. A lot of them are fledgling content creators, or they're looking for that side hustle. They're looking at how they're going to build that business and build that side hustle. And they want answers. 
They want all these answers in place. And Todd entered this without having any answers. He just knew the, what question he wanted to ask. I'm going to create this podcast and I'm going to see where it takes me. And he has a skill set. I mean, he obviously, he's got a good voice for radio. He understands the business metrics of it. He runs a social media marketing agency. So he brings a lot of assets to the table, but so does all of our community. You bring a lot of assets to the table. So you don't need the answers. Now you need to start with the question. I always say we plant a seed and we see how it grows and, yeah. it, and it grows in different directions and we have to prune different things and different stems and different, different directions, you know, become strong. But the bottom line is he's now figuring out this podcast. And I, I didn't think he would, I didn't think he would stay the course when he, when he mm-hmm. first launched it, as I, re- I remember it was in anchor. I can still remember I had a, uh, the conversation when he told me, listen, to my podcast, I listened to it. I thought it's a niche market. He's not going to get a lot of feedback on it. I bet I, I'm giving him nine months. <laughs> but he blew through that because, because you can see that he's, he's, he's looking for the right things in it. He's mm-hmm. taking the joy out of it that he wants. He loves, truly loves doing it. He's good at it. So he feels a sense of accomplishment and he is constantly measuring and mm-hmm. asking, what if I do this? What if I do that? The conversation that we had about how the, he's doing the dynamic ad insertion, I don't know if that will make a big difference in the long run, mm-hmm. but boy, is that fascinating to think about the potential. Uh, what If you are creating a podcast, the ability to drop ads in and to still have relevant content, relevant ads in your back catalog. Todd's podcast has not got long legs. It's not, it's, it, it's not evergreen content because it's the news. So it's right. something that you, it's, he's got to keep feeding that beast, but think about the value of that, of your, of your, of being able to dynamically insert ads in content, which is far longer tail interview content, entertainment type stuff. Uh, that is, that's fascinating. Yeah. The back and forth of it definitely. So he can have ads in his own podcast, but then he's able to be advertised in other podcasts. And yeah, that I that's love, almost like sub for a sub. Uh, right. Right. And then I really liked, um, one thing he mentioned was he hadn't, he, he saw a need. He's like, there, nobody else seems to be doing a podcast that's short and just kind of lays out the, the things you need to know for today about digital marketing. So I love that he just went was like, well, I see a gap. I can fill that. And he's filling it and, and obviously seeing success with it. And I think that's a huge part of sometimes saying, you know, yes, I could go do whatever I want, but maybe there's a need out there, even if people don't realize they need it and you can fill it because you're, you're the first one to do it. And there's another lesson for online marketers that are struggling to find their place. He didn't think twice about lifting somebody else's format. Mm-hmm. I like this style of show. It's something that I want to do. Yes. I think I can do a good job in my niche. And so he didn't hesitate just, and he says, he said right up front, I'm following him, seeing where he's taking it because I might want to steal the next idea <laughs> from him. It's important, you know, and it's all in, it's all in good interest and fun. And I love that he's just upfront and giving credit where credits due about that. Um, the other part I loved, which I I think you might have foreseen that I would love this. I love that he's actually using TikTok as the biggest driver of traffic to his <laughs> podcast. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, he's 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 playing he's playing down in the age demographic there for <laughs> sure. He was when we were doing our pre, when we were talking the day before. He was saying, "See, if you got to be doing this on TikTok, you got to be doing that on TikTok." And I got to tell you, Todd's going to be very disappointed in Steve not doing any of the things he says that I should be doing on TikTok. But it's a great lesson, and uh, and I am indeed intrigued by it. I will say, uh, I put a video out on TikTok, and this was in no way business related, okay? But I do have a podcast, an entertainment podcast with my kids, and we talk about gaming. And I put a question out, 15-second video on TikTok, asking about Minecraft servers. And it now has 23,000 views on it one month later. So I know that that's, I know that TikTok's demographic does skew younger, but man, just kind of testing that whole water. And you, like he said, he just tried, you know, he tried some stuff and oh my gosh, look what happened. Of course yeah. you're going to fail sometimes too, but uh, I don't know. I, I find it interesting. Well, and it's also a 50 year old guy who's not afraid to look like a fool by doing something. See, this is the thing as a lot of us, you know, certainly a lot of people in our generation looking at something like TikTok are going, well, I don't want to look the fool and right. have everybody laughing at me. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to take a backseat and, and say it's stupid and not really bother looking into it. 
Well, perhaps speak- I'm a tad guilty of that. Well, speaking of that, he mentioned a Snapchat filter. Are you going to go try that Snapchat filter or not? I told Shannon about it later and she says, I don't want to see you without a beard. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite comedians, um, Chad Daniels says, uh, beards are sweatpants for your face. <laughs> <laughs> and there are times I'm like, well, I could probably use some sweatpants yeah. in my face. I'm saying, I, I don't know if I don't know if the Snapchat filter is going to see my my old guy waddle that I think is forming, and I don't <laughs> want to see it. I don't want to know that it's there, but I'm pretty sure it might be there. Now we've gone into the definitely into the TMI <laughs> side, and uh, you know if it, if it was old school YouTube, we might be demonetized at this point here, but but no, but no more. All right, folks, uh, if you are looking for any links that that we shared today, then please drop by dototech.com slash 62 gray. That's dototech.com slash 62 gray. And if you do want to drop us a comment, uh, suggestions for future episodes, et cetera, info at dototech.com, or there's always a link to connect with us right there at uh, on our webpage. Uh, Rachel, thank you so much. Thank you very much. It's been a joy as always. It has indeed. Till next time, I'm Steve Dotto. Have fun storming a castle. You think it'll work? It would take a miracle.